Hello, everybody. So this is Tech Week for two of my girls who are in a musical this coming weekend. And for those of you outside of the theater community, which I was just a few years ago, I had no idea what on earth is Tech Week. <laughs> it's really the week where all of the kinks of a show are worked out. So there's dress rehearsal for four hours every night, last minute costume fixes, props and sets and mics. Oh my. And it's basically a week where everything feels a bit off kilter. Uh, the dishes don't get done, trash piles up, <laughs> kids get a mindless, yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> to their questions of, can I have this candy? <laughs> can I have a bag of chips? Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I often have no idea what day it is. I do know that I want to continue our conversation on sex, regardless of what day it is or how many snaps I've left to sew onto leotards. So let's get this thing going. So last episode, we talked about sex fitting into a larger framework, uh, something um it's something that we do, right? Sex is, it, it is transactional, but it's also, it's a whole lot more than transactional. I was, I was chatting with a friend of mine last night and the concept of money uh, came into my mind. When we spend money or, or when we don't spend it, we're, we're operating transactionally. But what guides our use of money is based on our framework for how, how we value money, how we've come to see the impact having or not having money has on who we are as individuals, um, how we see ourselves, and also how spending or not spending money uh, affects people around us, how they, how they see us and how we can impact their experiences. Money creates a, a power dynamic inside of individuals and among individuals in, in a system. When, when I don't have what I consider enough money to stay afloat from day to day, it has an impact on how I feel about myself, how I, how I carry myself in the world, on, on the decisions that I make. I, I, would say, I would say that sex is far more powerful than that even because like money, you got to go out and get. Right? You got you to do something to earn it or go rob a bank or something. Right? With sex, we, we don't need anything external in order to assert or withhold our sexual currency in the world. Right, how we how we feel about our bodies, about our level of desirability, about our acceptableness. These understandings we have of ourselves is what we instinctively operate out of. It's it's what we we already have in us. We don't have to go get that. It's it's kind of instilled from our experiences. Um, it's and basically it's who we are boiled down to the very basic elements. And it and it seems to me that this is why sexual violations are, are really the worst kinds. Right? They, they attack the deepest spaces of our humanity, the most intimate corners of, of our dignity. And, and we've all been violated, maybe not always or only in overt ways, but we can't help but be affected and, and often harmed right, to some extent by unhealthy messages from, from the culture around us, from our family of origin, from friends around the lunch table when we were kids, right, messages that, that say we're not good enough or that in order to be loved, we must do this or be that, right? He hearing inappropriate jokes or seeing confusing images or, 
or just being around misguided exchanges between adults at a very young age is enough to distort anyone's sense of of well-being. And, you know, when it comes to um, sex and and how we view ourselves, you know, it it can be very confusing. We don't have, um, we, we don't always know how to interpret that and to work that out. And so it takes some time and it takes having having a vision um, or or we just go and live out life. Right. So if you think about the money world, right, just like just like winning the lottery, it, it doesn't necessarily make for long term financial stability of, of a person. If, if that person has lived with years of of a scarcity mindset right and and just like that the introduction of sexual freedom and empowerment right as we move from childhood to adolescence to adulthood doesn't necessarily mean that we'll suddenly be equipped for healthy long-term sexual expression especially if we've not seen or heard healthy expression modeled and discussed right where are we going to get the tools to to work that out and to understand right so so what do we do right do we simply just take life as it is right we hope for a lottery win so we can buy a car and and then blow the cash and then once it's gone just enjoy the memory and go back and slog through life as as we've always known it right or or sexually speaking do we seek to attract someone else and we work through that whole um agenda and spend, you know, and attract that person. And we spend our our time and our bodies on and with each other, right? We run we run the course of a, a few days or or months or even years, and and enjoy the memories as we continue on in life in the same sense of how we always have, how we always have seen ourselves, how we how we always have operated. Uh, based on what we have come to understand of these things, right? Or, or might there be more, right? Might, might there be a new way to think about money, right? To figure out what we value and how we can use money as a tool to feel empowered, to spend and save and enjoy and, and use it, right? To move us in the direction that, that we'd like to go in life, right? To be able to take the, take the vacation or build the home or or foster the puppies right and and yeah sometimes we blow it on the overpriced drinks at the movies and and we decide to enjoy that too knowing that it doesn't ruin us as a person it doesn't derail all of our plans and visions now it might set us back a bit right but when we have a vision and a plan we know how to get back on course. We we know how how to reevaluate. Maybe overpriced drinks at the movies is what we value most. Awesome. So own that shit, right? Sexually speaking, I, I think we also do well with with having a plan and, and a vision, right? For for me, I see sex, you know, if we think about it transactionally, I see it as as a tool for becoming who who I am, right? Returning to who I've always been, the uncovering of the value that's that's always been present. That the coming out of hiding behind shame and, and self-protection. To own the, the fullness of, of my beauty and wonder and creativity. And I see it as a as a means of, of unwinding pain and healing wounds and, and seeing myself and others through eyes of awareness. And, and compassion <coughs> excuse me 
you know, and in relationship with others, you know, I see sex as, as a means of expression, right? The desire to see and to be seen, right? To know and be known. It's a way of communicating in, in ways that words fail, right? How can I get as close to this person as possible? How can I express what they mean to me or or express, you know, whatever that is. There's, it's just a, it's a means of expression, right? And, and how I choose to spend my sex is really determined by what I choose to value, right? So that transi- transaction is, is in the framework. It's within a framework of, of how I think about things, right? And, and kind of like a, a financial budget, right? We, we can always step back and reevaluate and, and level set and shift our priorities and plans in, in, in a purely transactional sense where we're capable of, of using each other and of being used. And I would say, by and large, that's what we do. Because um, I would say that is the transactional space that sex inhabits. And when we get into the sacred space, um, which I think it's always sacred. There's always something of ourselves we're giving, even if we're using the other. And there's always something that we are um, having brought to us that is greater than the, the two bodies in you know tangled up together. There's something more than that. But when we are aware of the sacred, when we are fully in that space of um, kind of emptying ourselves into that space with the other and receiving we're coming together. There is something that is beyond simple transaction. Um, but I think by and large, we do tend to have sex at a transactional level. And um, yeah, I'll talk more about that some other time. I have I have a little uh, vignette that I, I wrote a while ago. And it's one that the people have read it. I have three that go together. And it's kind of the progression of a relationship. And it's the third one, and it's the only one that people have wondered, like, what exactly do you mean by that? So I think one of these episodes, I will kind of, I'll read the three of those and we'll unpack that third one together. Because it has to do with wanting to, to give and receive beyond just using each other, just, just spending ourselves on each other. And so it's, it's an intro. I don't know. It's you, you might think, ah, I don't know about Lisa, this Lisa. <laughs> right. But I do think that we can choose to use our sex in a similar way. I think the money analogy kind of fits, um, because we can blow all of our money and we can, we can give out all of our body. Um, but it, it says something to ourselves and about ourselves around what we value and what is that, um, you know, what are, are are we thinking about things? Are we asking ourselves those questions, right? And, you know, we can always step back and, and reevaluate, just like we do with money, right? As we see how we respond to the world sexually, we can look back and say, oh, is this really the message I want to give to myself, the message I want to give to the world? What is this saying to me about myself? Is this beneficial? And maybe there are times where, yeah, it, it it is beneficial. Maybe it's a a one-time transaction that isn't something that you think, "Oh, I I always only want to have these one-time transactions." But maybe it's like the the overpriced drink at the movie. Maybe it, in some respects it's it's, you know, saying to to ourselves, "I'm not ruined by this. This does not make me unlovable 
or undesirable or unacceptable. Some of us grew up with those messages that if you are ruined, you are ruined. And so, you know, maybe there's something beneficial in, in saying, you know what, I'm not. And, and, and maybe there is something beneficial in that very transactional space where you're, you're being used and using someone in that transactional space in that one-time moment, right? But, but how we, generally speaking, how we choose to spend you know, our, our sexual time and energy and space is determined by what we choose to value and, and how we choose to manage those moments when we move against what we say we want to value, right? So, so we can determine... Um, you know, when we, when we have financial, we, we can determine to, to have discretionary spending, right? We, like, like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to blow my money on that overpriced drink. Or, you know what, I'm just going to go out and have this one night stand, okay? It, it doesn't ruin me. I'm, I, I can step back and say, I put that into the budget, but here's the deal. There's always a cost, right? Those, even discretionary spending is a cost. It has to be paid, Right? There's always something that we're putting out into the world and, and, uh, and something that we are kind of giving away of ourselves and, and taking in, in a sense. So, so being careful around that and asking ourselves questions like what was the cost of that, that transaction and was it worth it? And maybe it was. But I think that's where we can get into a healthier way of of managing ourselves is saying, ah, I do want to have this overall framework. And so decide what that is. It doesn't have to be what mine is, right? Or maybe you're just someone who like, when I get 10 bucks, I blow 10 bucks. I went to, I went to the Bahamas. Um, oh gosh, it's my early twenties with a friend of mine. And it was interesting, you know, walking around and, um, seeing these half built houses. And we talked to some, some of the local, uh, folks there and, when they got a little bit of money, they would build a little bit more onto their house. And that's just kind of how that economy worked. When I get a little bit, I spend a little bit. When, and, I get, and sometimes maybe that's what we choose to do. Now, I would say that that was not who they were as a person necessarily, um, but that's their financial, right? I get a little bit, I spend a little bit. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's the framework that, that you choose um, to, to be in, but keeping in mind that there, there always is a cost, right? You've always got to keep that, uh, you know, is it worthwhile, right? I, I believe the cost and the rewards always have a relational foundation, right? How we engage with ourselves and with others to what degree we live with a sense of unconditional acceptance by that which holds us all together in the bonds of shared humanity, right? Am I resting in this in the sense that I am unconditionally accepted to the degree that I'm able to do that? I think that's where um, these things spring out of and, and allow us to, to manage ourselves in that context, right? And, and sex is, it's relational, right? Even, even when we're withholding sex from being expressed beyond our own minds or beyond our own private pleasures, right? We're still sexual beings. We're still engaging in the world around us through the lens of how we see ourselves in relation to our own selves, in relation to others, right? And, and how we see ourselves in relation to our past experiences and messages and our understandings, right? I, I, I heard a new term 
this past week. Demisexual. I had, I had to Google that. I'm like, ah, what is? I keep hearing all these new, you know, this sexual and that sexual. All these these new terms <laughs> that simply weren't used when I was younger. Um, and it basically refers to someone who is not sexually aroused until there is an emotional bond. Now, this is a term that I might have at one time said describes me, and they're. There, like I said, there's not like a gazillion of these kind of labels out there, <laughs> and that, and and here's the deal. I'm not one who is opposed to terms that define. I, I I've always rather enjoyed personality tests and discussing, um, languaging and like describing who. I am or who somebody else is and a way to explore how we see ourselves. Um, I, I do have a little bit of an issue with labels though, you know, and, and we've all seen this happen with personality types and my concern with the, the sexual labeling is the same thing, that instead of it being a tool where we're seeking to understand ourselves better, why do I respond that way in that situation? We're using it as a means of determining who we are and that's that's who I am right I, I I am an I'm an ENFJ which I'm not I don't even remember what I am it's been so long I'm I'm now into the Enneagram so <laughs> right but I'm not but I don't fall cleanly into any of those nine types I don't think anybody falls completely cleanly into them, but they're a way to explore, oh, yeah, that's how I experience the world and some of my perspectives and somebody else might see it differently. It's a tool, but if it's this is who I am and this is how I am and that, we got to be careful with that because I think everything is on a trajectory of uncovering um, how we've protected ourselves. And so, for instance, if I... um, you know, I'm labeling myself as a demisexual. Does that mean that now I have to go and find someone who is compatible with me? Right. It kind of reminds me. Does anyone remember Garanimals? <laughs> when I was in grade school, we would go um, back to school shopping. Right. There was this line of clothing where the tops all were labeled with a little animal, right? A giraffe or a rhinoceros or an elephant and, and all the the bottoms were labeled with different labels. So, you know, the kids could dress themselves. We just go and, you know, just match up the giraffes and match up the rhinoceros. And I think they had color coding or whatever. Um, and this, this explains so much of why I have zero fashion sense as an adult. Like, can we make adult animals maybe? <laughs> and I would just mess them all up and, and mix them all up, right? But that's but that's the problem with labels, right? We think, oh, well, this only matches with that. And we're far too complex with that. So our next episode, that's really where I, I want to get into. I want to talk about what what is compatibility, right? What is, how does it all work within a, a framework of, of relational, um, um, you know, working out, being naked and ashamed and, and becoming more of who we are created to be. So there's just so much to talk about. So until next time, have a lovely day.